You are listening to Normalized Crime, an in-depth look at gang life and all the effects that come along with it. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Normalized Crime. I'm Eric. What's going on? Berto here. And Berto, we're back with a slight delay in recording with a new episode. What do you got for a subject for us today? Yeah, I think we're going to give you... Your gang name is going to be Vacation Eric. I think that's <laughs> what his name uh, So, So today, man, I figure... Uh, I figure I, I kind of fill people in on, on the... Uh, the preconceived notions and the misconceptions that go along with gang members who get X'd, right? Meaning they get X'd out of the gang. Uh, they're no longer members. I think this topic right here, it has a lot of, there's a lot of hoopla, right? Like people, they have these extremes and they have the lesser extremes, right? They believe that automatically when you get X'd out from a gang, you're, you're killed off and nobody's to ever hear from you again. And then some people believe nothing happens, right? So um, <clears throat> I'll kind of demystify, so to speak, uh, exactly where that truth lies, at least when it came to us. So if you don't have nothing else, I'll jump right into that. I actually do want to kick it off with a question right away. So Okay, go ahead. How, how common is somebody getting next? Like how many times did you see, because you were... You were what technically in the Latin Kings for what five years, Is right? It roughly yep. around. So, how many times did this happen while you were in? Just to give the okay. listeners an idea of how common it is. It's a good question uh, because, like I said, I hear I heard a lot about people being exed before I became a king, and obviously you hear a lot of stories urban myths like oh this happens when you decide not to become a gang member or this happens and not saying that extremes don't happen um for me personally i i personally was involved in three people getting next okay. um and and i i'm trying to remember i could be a little bit shaky maybe there was one more I, i'm not 100 percent sure i'd have to think about it but i know three for sure that came right to my head and the reason why they came right to my head is because one of them was really big the other two, they stood out because of the uniqueness of them. Hopefully that answered your question. And with yeah, that, let me, let, me kind of, let me kind of explain, right? So when it comes to people getting X'd, right? First of all, like we always call them X-Men, right? Like, like they were a part of the X-Men crew. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to people getting X'd, there are, whether people want to believe it or not, there's different levels. Um, and, and that goes anywhere from kind of just letting people walk away, I guess, in a sense and not dealing with them. And I'll explain why that might happen. Okay. And then ultimately death. Fortunately, I never had to be a part of the, uh, the death aspect, but I know an example of a situation where death was um, what was wanted for that individual. And that's not to say that that's not to say that certain gang members don't want death for all the individuals that are exed. Right. I mean, I'm sure there's some guys that want to kill anybody that wants to, that is beaten, getting put out of the gang. Um, but, but that's not the case for everybody. So starting on a smaller scale, man. Right. So the reason why there's, there's disparity is based on does the punishment fit the crime kind of thing. Right. So I've seen instances where maybe a guy gets the option to just walk away or they, they kind of just get forced out, you know, by, 
by the members not associating with them no more. And when something like that happens, that usually means one thing. And that is the members don't want to touch this guy. They don't want to be anywhere around him because he's probably working with the government in some form or fashion, whether that be state and local police or the feds. So obviously you don't want to get an intimidation of witness or, you know, worst case you, you hurt him, or even if you kill him, now you're, you're public enemy number one. Now that's not mm-hmm. to say that guys won't do it, but I just feel like there's more of a propensity to not do it when that's the case. Okay. Right. So that's the, that's, that's the, the ultimate just walk away low end of the scale. Right. And then the extreme is obviously death. Right. Now I knew um, I, I've actually been through the story before where the regional Inca, the guy Weddle, who was the regional Inca when I first became the Kasinka, he was the regional Inca out of Chicago. <clears throat> he was embezzling money from the Latin Kings and he was using it as his personal piggy bank. And that violation was a death sentence, right? Now, I'm not saying he's dead. I don't know. Maybe he just disappeared and never came back. I don't know what happened to him on a personal level. But I know that his sentence, quote unquote, was death, meaning that he did the ultimate betrayal when, you know, he basically used the brothers, he used the nation, and they wanted him dead because of it. Okay, so that's that's the extreme, right? And then everywhere in between those two is kind of where everybody else falls, Right. And, you know, guys, obviously guys can be put in different categories based on what they've done. Elephant in the room. Right. For cooperating. Right. Cooperating mm-hmm. um, against against former Latin kings or against Latin kings as a former Latin king. Uh, excuse me. So where that falls on a scale is usually pretty high. It's usually towards the death, um, <laughs> the death end, if 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 that makes sense. And mm-hmm. obviously the reason why is because it's directly against this brotherhood and, and the manifesto. Um, but I do believe that within that, uh, within that category, there's also brackets. I don't think guys will admit this. I don't think that everybody will agree with this, but I think it's true. I think that there's different levels of a cooperator. And I believe that, when people look at situations and they individualize them, they might never, especially publicly say, um, I'm okay with what he did, but they might get some understanding as to why said person did what they did. Mm -hmm. And if it's, you know, if it makes sense, uh, as far as, well, that person was backed into a corner and everybody told on him and he saved his own life. Obviously, they're not going to say, yeah, go ahead. You can cooperate. Nobody has permission to tell somebody to do that. But there would be more understanding there, if that makes sense. So I believe there's levels. There's levels in that category, man. I believe that there's, you know, I believe that people look at it differently. Now, that's not to say that, you know, me, I mean, somebody can want to kill me. Maybe a lot of people want to kill me. I mean, that's, that's understandable. You know, I took, I took the turn I did. Um, So, so that's, that's where I see that at, right? So that's, now that's out the way. Now, the three examples I have are three entirely separate examples, not just for the obvious reason that they're separate people, but because they kind of got X'd in three different ways and they kind of got X'd for three different reasons. 
it's 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 crazy. I mean, obviously three different reasons, but I mean, in in three different, I guess there was three different motives. Is a better way to put it. The first one I'll start with is the most important to me. But the reason why it's the most important to me, man, is because it was Belon, right? And I've talked about Belon a bunch of times. He was a big part of my life. Uh, Chico was his brother. That's the family I lived with when I became 19th Street. To speak to a bigger point here, right, before I get into the actual meat and potatoes, so to speak, is this is another reason why these friendships that you build are facades as well, right? I mean, you're going to get good friendships. You're going to get real friendships with people, with them as men and and young men, but you're not going to get real friendships as Latin kings, if that makes sense, because there's no there's no real loyalty in it. And let me explain this, right? Let me get into this. You know, Pelon was never a perfect king, right? Like he wasn't he wasn't somebody that when other brothers spoke of him that they they held him in this high prestige, right? It wasn't it wasn't like he was well known and had all this respect, but he was always like he was always a good guy, right? He was mm-hmm. always like, you know, somebody that 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 guys they liked and and they respected. And he wasn't a scary guy. Like he would fight, you know, he would fight in the street. If 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 he seen a king fighting, he would jump in. It was never nothing like that, right? Now, do I feel like he evolved with our chapter when we evolved, meaning that when we picked up from street fights to holding guns to shooting guys to killing guys, did he evolve with that? No, he didn't. He he stayed behind. And to his credit, right? So Here's why it's personal to me. Bellone is the person who took me under his wing. And I've mentioned this before. When I was Wild Walker and I made the transition to become 1-9, I did it for a number of different reasons, right? I've talked about this before. But Bellone was one of the first ones out of the maid members from 19th Street. And he was the enforcer at that time to say, I'll take you under my wing. You'll become a brother over here a lot faster than you ever become on Wild Walker. Don't worry, you'll be good. And that means a lot because like I explained to you, man, when you take somebody under their wing, under your wing, you're basically responsible for everything that they do. And their fuck-ups are your fuck-ups. And so to do that is a big jump. It's a big leap, right? And so I respected that about him. And I and and I started to obviously I had an affinity for him already as a as a as a as a brother. And then of course, I lived in the house with with him and his family, and so there was like a, a it was like a really really solid foundation that we built from from a friendship standpoint. If anybody, I'm sure everybody and anybody can remember what it's like, man, to start building a relationship with somebody, right? Like a friendship. You meet somebody, you guys vibe, you know, and it's just you know, you can tell like, man, this is gonna be a good friend of mine, right? And mm-hmm. there's different, there's different levels, right? Like there's, there's like mentor friends and there's like, like, okay, this guy's on everything the same, same wavelength as I am friends. And there's distant friends. And, you know, at that time, Bellone was like a mentor friend. Like he was older, you know, he was, you know, he had been around a little bit. We weren't never necessarily on the same extreme wavelengths because I had a lot of um, different kind of 
things going on in my mind and I was growing still and I was, I was really becoming violent. So he, he wasn't on that kind of wavelength with me, but we were really friends, man. And we were really, at this point, we had become family. So that's why Pelone became like such a good person to me because we were like family, man. And it was like, we had conversations outside of the gang. You know, we had conversations that, that revolved around us as people opposed to us as Latin Kings, if that makes sense. And, and obviously we bonded and we were there for each other when his mom was shot. And, and so, you know, I'm bringing all these things up because I want to paint a picture about how you could, you could care about somebody and you could be in somebody's life and you're with them all the time. And then for one reason or another, they might not be looked at with the same eyeballs that you have. Right. And people might want them to not be around anymore. To be fair, 100% fair, as I started to grow within the nation, within 19th Street, I started to look at them differently. And I started to look at them differently because I didn't feel like he was evolving with us. And um, I remember I had a conversation with a man I remember we had many conversations like this before. We had the same style of conversation, you know, when when he basically got me to become 19th Street from Wild Walker. You know, it's just, you know, two guys sitting around. I remember we were just smoking weed in, his, in the basement. I remember he told me, and this is early on, man, and, and he ended up still being a brother after this for a while. But I remember he told me, he was like, bro, I'm not, this this isn't me, you know, this isn't me anymore and this is when there were still a lot of kings out like a lot of older kings you know mm. this was before the younger generation so to speak took over and i remember this conversation and i kind of blew it off right i'm like yeah maybe he's been drinking maybe he's just you know he ain't seen straight and i remember after nancy was shot we had another conversation and it was different the tone of his voice was different the look in his eyes was different the way his hand shook, handshake felt was different, right? And so these things, they're not to be, you know, overlooked. Man, when you shake somebody's hand in the manifesto, it tells you, you know, you shake their hand and you put your right fist to your your heart and, and you're basically saying, I salute you. And when you say, I salute you, that means I'll die for you. Right. So I never took that lightly, man. I never took that saying lightly just to think about somebody who did that for years to be contemplating walking away. There had to be a reason. And I remember, you know, I mentioned before uh, at some point, you know, I remember him telling me, listen, Berto, like it's hard, man. You know, you know, I'm one of the older guys out here. I don't get no respect. And what he meant by that is, you know, he didn't have a spot. You know, he was one of the older kings and he didn't have a spot. He didn't have any rank. And the reason why is because nobody at that point in time was really, really respecting him because he wasn't in the street putting in the work. You know, he wasn't evolving. You know, I, I could I could hear the hurt in his voice and almost the embarrassment. Like, man, like you came in under my wing, man, and you're my Kasinka now, you know, and mm -hmm. he didn't say that verbatim, but I could tell like that was the conversation. 
and to be to have to take orders from somebody like me um even though I didn't throw all my weight and I never did that but but theoretically to have to take orders from me and and so I remember him saying again he was like bro I'm I'm I think I'm done man I think I'm done and now at this time as the Kasinka, when he told me this you know now the conversation has to be thorough you know i can't walk away from that conversation the same way i did when i was a foot soldier because now the responsibility is somewhat in my hands mm-hmm. and i told him i said well this is a conversation that is going to be is going to be meant for the circle you know and the circle is obviously at, at our meetings and and um and i remember talking to snuff and fro and my brother and to you know really the heart the heart of 19th street you know i remember me and snuff had a conversation and i told him i said man listen p's done you know and at this time man to be fair like you know all the young guys that were in the street putting in work i mean they you know they were calling them p shitty and 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 listen i was involved too you know i was involved too you know what i mean so I, i'm not here pointing fingers at anybody like you know he, he we were all basically looking at him like he was done he was washed up you know, but unfortunately, there's no, there's no gold Rolex, man. You know, there's no, there's no, there's no retirement ceremony. And, and this is one of them, this is one of them things where you're either in or you're out. So with all that said, man, there was a party by Pelon's house, you know, mm-hmm. he called a bunch of brothers over. Everybody came over. Uh, it was in his attic, you know, it was. Pretty sure it was a summer night. I remember it. You know, I went, Snuff went, Fro went, Tim went, Toot went, Gucci went, Mario went. I mean, we were all there, man. We were just, we we were we were there. It was Gold, Bear, you know, those were another two that were on the chopping block. I just remember hanging out, drinking. We're all up there. We're laughing. You know, I'm hanging out. I'm, I, I usually, usually when I hang around the guys, I usually, uh, I spread my time out, right? So I'll be hanging out here, hanging out there, hanging out here. I'll go into this conversation, jump into this conversation. You know, that's how it is. It's like, it's like a bunch of different parties going on in one party. And that's, that's, I like to be at all of them. So I show up. (laughs) Um, So uh, I walked into a conversation that I probably didn't want to hear. And it was between Pelon, Gucci, and Mario. The conversation was basically Pelon telling Mario you're not a real king. You know, he's Uh-oh. telling him, you're not a real king, man. He's telling him, you're not a real king. That's what he's telling Mario. And I'm not even 100% sure that Mario was made at this time because Snuff was out. So I remember I had this conversation with you before where Snuff told me specifically Mario would never be a Latin king while he was the Inca and while he was out. And so I'm almost certain Mario wasn't made yet. Unless there was a brief window where Snuff got locked up, we made Mario and Snuff got locked, got got back out. But that's that's a little bit muddy for me. I can't really remember. But I just remember this was the conversation. He's telling Mario, Mario, you're not a king. You're not a real king, bro. You know, and he's dead serious. He wasn't even really that drunk. And Bellone was known for getting drunk, you know, and that that kind of is where the name started, P. Shitty. You know, he would get shitty drunk. Like that's <laughs> that's where it started. Yeah, that's where it started. And so <clears throat> Gucci was sticking up for Mario and 
you know, there was a bunch of reasons behind that. Like, obviously, Mario was a future. He was somebody that we were always by his house. You know, at to the, to to this point, he had been like a good a good prospect. You know, and also Gucci was like in a relationship with his sister, so there was probably a little bit more, you know, a little bit more reasoning for him to to be as adamant and sticking up for 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 Mario. And to be fair, man, everybody going to that party felt like Belonge didn't deserve to be a king anymore. Um, everybody, everybody kind of had shared that sentiment. Gucci started getting a little animated. He's like, you know, he's like, man, don't be talking to him like that. He's like, matter of fact, you ain't a real king, you know? And now that's a conversation that is, you can tolerate between a Latin king and a future because it could be anything. It could be hazing, you know, it, it could be his own personal feeling where he's never going to throw up his crown in the circle when it comes for Mario to be made. It could have been anything. I'm talking about between Mario and Pelon. But now when you start going king to king and those kind of comments are being made, now it has to stop because mm-hmm. now it's it's not it, it it's it took a turn, right? And so immediately like Pelon was defensive. And he's like right away, he's like you ain't a real king neither. Like, you know, I was a king before you and it just mm-hmm. turned into one of them, you know, and he was right Gucci did become a king after him, but that that doesn't, you know, make or break any, any member. So that that's irrelevant. And I just remember when that started, I was like, you know what? I was like, we got to go outside. You know, we got to go outside and talk. And, you know, my intention wasn't to take Baylone out there and do anything but talk to him about mm-hmm. not only what he was saying at that point in time, but also what he had told me previously to this party. And so I grabbed the Inca. I grabbed the I grabbed the enforcer. I mean, which which Snuff was the the Inca. I was the Casinka, and Fro was the enforcer. So grab those two guys. We go outside. Everybody else stays in the house. We're in the backyard. You know, I kicked it off. I'm like, bro, what's wrong with you? I'm like, bro, you can't. You know, you can't talk to these brothers like that, man. Like, you know, like these dudes are brothers, man. Like they're in the street, and you know, he kind of dismissed it right away. He's like, ah, man. Like, you know, they're nobodies, and this and this and that. And I and and right away Snuff took over, you know. Snuff was the Inca, and he's basically like, "Bro, like, what's wrong with you, man? You know, like, like, who do you think you are?" Kind of, kind, you know, kind of tone. Immediately, the first thing Bellone said is, "Well, if you want to X me, then X me." And I remember looking at Snuff, and I had never heard that. I had, I'd never, I'd never been in that situation before. And you know, obviously, I looked at Snuff. You know, he's our Inca. He's got, you know, obviously, he's got more experience. And when I looked at him, I also kind of looked at Fro and, you know, I mentioned before, like Fro was like, uh, he was just like a loving brother, man. Like he was, he, he, his, 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 his best attribute, man, was love. And so. Which is great because he was, he was your enforcer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, kind of an oxymoron there, but but and and we actually thought about that afterwards. But but yeah, but he he was just like a loving dude. But I remember seeing a different look in his face at this time. When I looked at him, it was like a instant flash, man. And snuff punched him. And when he punched him, you know the rule: one king moves, all kings move. There's no questions. We'll talk about it later. And that was it. And I took off. I started punching him. 
Fro started punching him. And, you know, we're, we're beating this dude down. The guys that were up in the attic, they looked out the window and they seen us. Everybody comes running down the steps. Oh, wow. Everybody, you know. The irony in this is that Fro's, I mean, not Fro, Bellone's closest circle, right? He had a guy named Weddle, two brothers named Goat and Bear. Those were his closest circle. Those were some of the first guys beating him out. <laughs> it was it was the craziest thing, not even knowing that they were actually on the chopping block as well. At the time, the issue at hand was Bellone. And uh, everybody came out, man. There was no worse feeling, man. There's no worse feeling than I looked up at the, the top of the steps where everybody had ran out. His sister comes walking out. His sister was like my sister, you know, and, and I just remember to see in her face. I remember seeing the tears in her eyes and it broke my heart, man. Like it did. I just remember at the time I had to push that aside. I had to push those feelings aside. I also seen his stepdad who came out, you know, cause he had tried to run back up the stairs and somebody grabbed him and pulled him right back down the steps. You know, he was running back up the steps after everybody had got licks on him. And somebody pulled him back down the steps and then they got some more on him. I mean, by that time I was done. Right. And I was just kind of supervising and, and all the other, the guys that were there were, were taking care of him. And I just remember her, you know, kind of like pleading and crying and then looking at me and it, it destroyed me inside. Obviously thinking back now, I feel even worse, but I couldn't do nothing at that point in time. That was a decision that he made. And, you know, if we take a step outside of the situation, think about how great of a decision that was. You know, he's seen how violent we were getting. He stepped away. He's seen the people that were becoming in leadership were the most violent ones. He stepped mm -hmm. away. So, yeah, when we take ourselves outside of it, we can look at it. But at that time, inside of the situation, there was no other move I could make. The worst feeling that I had was seeing her, knowing that this was Nancy's house, and I was looked at like a family member, and I was involved in this. I was involved in this um, this violation. This so that's a really, really touchy and hard thing to think about, man. Uh, when it comes to being able to separate what you have to do and what you want to do at, at different times. I think this is a great example, which is why I brought it up in the beginning of how you're taught to love these people. You're taught to die for these people, right? Like I salute you. I'm willing to die for you. Every handshake, when I see you and when I leave you, every handshake is I will die for you. And in turn, I would kill for you, right? And then all of a sudden, just like that, you have to turn that off. That's not easy to do, man. Oh, I That's can not imagine. easy to do. It's not easy to do for somebody who I looked at at one point, you know, kind of like a mentor, an older brother figure, right? Now, it's even harder to do when it's somebody you're with every single day. And you literally told each other, man, I love you. 
I'll die for you. I'll kill for you. It's, it, you know, and those, those, I can't imagine being on the other side of that because I'm lucky to say that 90% of the people that I, that, that I felt that day-to-day interaction with like that, you know, I still feel the same way about to this day and they know who they are. And so, man, that's a hard, it's a hard thing to try to fit into your life. And it's even harder to do when you're 15 years old. So, you know, after Pelon, it's now you got to, you know, now Chico, Chico wasn't there that night. And uh, Chico's his brother. And Chico's still active. Now Chico knows about it. So it's like, now that relationship might never be the same. And honestly, it wasn't. I don't know if that was a tipping point. You know, I don't know if it was more about what we were doing in the street that, uh, you know, even Chico didn't want any part of. I don't know. I, I couldn't say. But, you know, just know that I destroyed relationships for the Latin Kings. I destroyed relationships with people that genuinely had love for me. This was the only family that took me in when I was on the run, fed me, clothed me, put a roof over my head. And for the Latin Kings, I turned my back on it in a second. So that's, that's, that's a message right there, man, that, uh, I think can't be taken lightly. I think that's a message that everybody can really think about and relate to probably at some point, you know, as far as having a relationship with somebody and, you know, being able to visualize having to cut that relationship, but not just cut that relationship, violently cut that relationship. So, yeah, man, that was tough, man. So after this, so... I'm assuming at this point, so there's never a really, this probably ended this all and Pelon was just considered axed at this point. Yep. Like like there was never any going back and saying, are we going to really ax them? That was just kind of the end and, and everybody. No, that was the exit. That was the exit. That was the exit right there in itself. I mean, everybody basically, everybody had shots at them. Everybody understood that that's that was that's what was going on, you know. There was no confusion when it came to that. So at this point in time, do you ever? I mean, does Paylon just kind of disappear from the history now? Like, do you more or less never speak to him again, or do you have well, a to chance fair, to ever look at him and say, like, I'm sorry that this happened, or anything like that? Well, to be fair, I've had conversations with him since then. I've had conversations with him recently, um, not extremely recently, but since I've been out, he understood where he understood what happened. You know, he knew that he, he kind of basically took responsibility and said, I knew I needed to go. I knew I needed to get out and that was my way out and I took it. And Mm -hmm. so he understood, but that doesn't take away from how I felt about it. It doesn't take away probably how his mom felt about it. And it doesn't take away, you know, it just doesn't take away how the family felt about it, especially with me being involved, you know? So, yeah, 
people say water under the bridge and, and I believe them to an extent, you know, uh, but I know it had to have hurt him. It had to have hurt him, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just one of them things, man, where you, 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 you hope that there's true forgiveness there, but you know that there can't, be. that's, that's right. That's one of those things where you're scarred from it, you know? Yeah. And uh, and rightfully so, rightfully and, so. Yeah, and even if he believes that he has truly forgiven you, I mean, he just can't. It's just not the way the human brain works. You know, right. there's always that moment of hesitation or whatever. But but so, so at at this point, though, we got to walk away, and that's I mean, that was pretty much the end of it. Like, there's no story along the line where somebody any further messes with him no. about this. No, nah, that was it, man. He uh he took his he took his licks. Um it wasn't it wasn't like a brutal beatdown, you know, where he couldn't walk or he went to the hospital, but you know, he got beat up pretty good. He got beat up pretty good. Like I said, best decision he ever made in his life. You know, he's uh he's a he works in I believe he's uh he work I believe he's a, a Mason Masonry makes good money, has a family, you know, left everything behind. And, and, uh, I'm envious of him. Never had to do a day in prison. Mm-hmm. So from that one, man, we can transition into the next one. Right. And, uh, this was a guy named slick Rick. And he's the one I mentioned before that he lasted 19 seconds in his violation. And he ended up having to go get staples. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think that might have been like the last episode we were talking about that. So yeah, yeah. So there's no other way of putting it. Slick was a bitch. He he was (laughs) he was never he was never meant to be a king. I mean, I'm just being honest. Nothing personal, but I'm just saying on the king level, like he was never meant to be a king. You know, he was a cool dude, like to be around. Like I didn't, I used to actually hang out with him, and I remember he started coming around. You know, one of the. one of the main attractions he had was he had like a bright yellow little like hatchback car. And so, you know, it fit, it fit the Latin Kings for sure. And, um, you know, we, we did a lot of shootings out of that car. You know, I used to, I used to, not him, he was just a driver, but we did a lot of shootings out of that car. And so he was around for a lot, man, you know, uh, at some point for that summer, at least. And I remember when he finally finished off the rest of his violation and became a, a whole king, right? Once that happened, it was like, man, I don't even know how to explain it. It was like you went, he went from being, you know, like a humble, frail little guy, because this dude was like five foot four, 115 pounds, went from this little, like humble, frail guy to the strongest Latin king you ever met in life, right? Like, I mean... <laughs> Like he just, he, he gained this big personality and he was this big, tough guy and he wanted to be around all the heavy honchos and, you know, he would do his best. I noticed this, right? He would do his best to put himself around the Kings who had rank. And I want to say it was like to try to gain favoritism, you know, because the guys who weren't around the guys that had rank at that time were guys like me and my brother and two guys that were in the street. And he didn't want to be in the street. And so he would hang around with like Jay and, and Dre. And I remember when he was around him, 
right? He ended up getting a teardrop. And then he got like one nine on his arms. And he had it for about a week. And he must have been like terrified because of the attention that it brought him. And I remember he said, I remember him asking everybody, like, would, would anybody be mad if I covered up, you know, my teardrop? <laughs> you know, he, he didn't really want that smoke. He wasn't really ready for that smoke. <laughs> so, so after that, we'd always see him. He'd have like a hoodie on, like covering half his face where his teardrop was at. It, it was ridiculous. And so fast forward, didn't last that long. He was basically eroding you know, into the nothingness because he was never around. And like I said, he did his best to try to put himself around older Kings to maybe gain favor so that when it came time to put him on a chopping block, maybe one of them guys will vouch for him. But those guys can't always save you, man, because those guys are in and out of jail themselves. So guess what? The first time they go away, we're going to get you. Yep. (laughs) And that's what happened. Uh, Jay and Dre got locked up. You know, Snuff didn't have no affinity towards him. Snuff didn't like him. And Snuff was going to take our word for it anyway, you know, because we knew him. He did have one more on his side, and that was Boy. And we all know Boy has a lot of say-so. But Boy was on the run. Boy went up north. And so i never forget it, man. We used to kick it on 6th Street by this guy named Shane. Uh, Chico used to be over there a lot. Chico was actually with Shane's sister. And there was kind of like a spot. We would be over there a lot. And I remember there had came a point in time where the mom of the house just stopped letting all of us go over there. And, and I'm, you know, don't get me wrong. Like there was other contributing factors. Like we'd be on her porch, you know, seven, seven guys, you know, hats broke to the left and guys would be driving past sometimes. Like I said, we try to do our best to not get houses shot up so we wouldn't be posted in front of her house. But mm-hmm. we'd be shooting at guys down the block and across the street and be running to her house. And so there's definitely more reasons than 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 the one I'm going to say right now. But we honestly felt like Rick and then the guy Ugo were like talking bad about a lot of the a lot of us, like me and Tim and two like, oh, we were wild and we were crazy. And so basically she stopped allowing us to go over to that house. It was the craziest thing. Like we just couldn't go over there no more. We were really, really tight. Cause that was like one of our spots, you know, we didn't have a lot of spots and that was one of them. And we were really, really tight with the dude, Rick and Ugo. And then these dudes weren't coming to meetings. They weren't paying dues. And every week was like an added, uh, straw. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I just remember we had a conversation one time we had a meeting and we just threw it out there, man. And we said, listen, we're going to go around a circle and we're just going to talk about who needs to be put on the chopping block, who needs to be X'd. And there was a lot of names brought up, man. There was a lot of names. And and Rick and Ugo were two of them. And so I even told the story with the with the the reservation story. When I said I, I told you off air when we went up there, we ended up also going to Minnesota and we ran into Ugo up there. Well, Ugo mm-hmm. was gonna get X'd, but boy saved him. Well, rewind a little bit. Before that actually happened. We had to deal with Rick. Ugo was gone. We didn't know where he was at. But Rick, we knew where he was at. He was always on 6th Street now. We had to be strategic in how we got this dude out the house because I couldn't just go knock on the door. I wasn't invited over there no more. You know, neither mm-hmm. was my brother. Neither was anybody that was really in the mix. So we got this guy, Weddle. 
right? And now Weddle, how do I describe Weddle? Weddle is like, Weddle's a guy that when he's around, it really feels like he's down to do anything. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, he's down to shoot anybody, kill anybody that's that ain't with the Kings. But to be fair, Weddle drank a lot. So when he was drunk, that was easy to be. But when he wasn't drinking and hanging out with us, that wasn't the case. You know? Mm-hmm. And and like I said, to give some perspective, he was a he was a father, you know, he had a son, he had a house, he had rent. And now I can see what that meant, but I couldn't see it then. You know, mm-hmm. at that time it was like, oh, you're just choosing not to be around the brothers. But anyways, um, so that that's kind of how he was. You know, guys like they liked him, but at the same time, they didn't know if he was really still worthy of being a king. So he was one of the ones that was kind of like he was on the chopping block, but we didn't really know for sure, for sure. These other guys we knew. Bellone, Goat, Bear, Rick, Ugo, we knew for sure they were done, right? So we got Weddle. We said, listen, Weddle, we're gonna take you over to his house to this house you got to go get him have him come outside and uh me and tim will be waiting for him (laughs) and so uh he did it right he pulled him out and i'll never forget this dude looked like he's seen a ghost when he came down the steps he seen me and tim standing there he you know he's a little mexican dude you know he turned he turned pale and it was like almost shaky in his voice it's like oh what's up brother what's up and um to give a little bit more context to this kind of guy, because I don't like just bashing guys without really bringing proof to the table, right? But this is the same guy. Like I said, man, we would be out. We'd be putting in work. He never had the gun one time. I never he I never seen him with a gun one time. And 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 there was a lot of those summer nights, man. You know. So just so the viewers know, there's a lot of content left in this brain of mine. But um <laughs> but also you know, I remember we were at a meeting. He had a violation one time coming, right? And I don't, I think it was his second half of his violation where he had to catch another minute and a half. And uh, he was so scared and so nervous about this violation, he threw up. And I remember, wow. like, you know, the guys were like looking at him, like, what the hell is wrong with this dude, right? And, and, you know, he plays, oh, I'm sick, man, I'm sick. But we know what it is, man. That's that, that's that bitch blood kicking in. Right. So that's what we thought. And and it kinda ended up being true. So, anyways, back to where we're at. We pull him out the house and uh he sees us. He's you know, he's he's right away trying to cop please. Hey, you know, I got the do money for you brothers and I got, you know, I got some back pay type deal. Like he wanted to give us extra money. And I was like, Don't worry about it. I was like, Come on, we gotta take a we gotta take a ride. He's like, Oh, I can't really, you know, I and we just grabbed him by the shoulder, like, come on, we're gonna take a ride. And he just he's he submitted. As soon as he seen we weren't playing, me and my brother grabbing him on the inside. We put him in the car, put him in Widow's car. We drove around the block and then went through the alley, parked in the middle of the alley. We're like, come on, let's get out and talk, right? So we're standing in front of a garage in the middle of an alley. And we start <clears throat> basically talking to him, man, you know, and explaining to him, do you understand what choice you made when you decided to become a Latin king? Do you understand what goes along with it? You understand the sacrifices that have been made. You understand the loyalty, the brotherhood, all these things. We're explaining it to him. And he's yes, 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 man, and us to death, to death right? Mm-hmm. And um, and I asked him the final question. I remember the last question I asked him. I said, do you think you deserve to be a king? And he didn't even get to answer. My brother punched him. And that was it. And uh, 
It was only three of us. It was me, Tim, and Weddle. Mostly me and Tim. But it was mm-hmm. me, Tim, and Weddle. He was beat way worse than Pallone was beat. I mean, way worse. I mean, he had to go to the hospital. He was unconscious when they found him. Like, he was he was beat pretty bad, man. You know, and uh, I remember beating him like that. I remember I remember beating him like he was a flake, and that's what I thought in my head. Like this dude's a flake now. Everything he ever said to me was a lie. Now I can't attach emotion to him like I did with Pelone, but the fact still remained that I shook the crown up with him many times. I saluted him many times, which means that, like I said, I'll die for you. Mm-hmm. I'll kill for you, you know? And I meant that. If we were ever anywhere and something happened, I would be the first to jump if he was there. It didn't matter. If you were a king, you were a king. But this is why I say there was different. This is why I said in the beginning, there was different motives. Pelone wanted out. Mm-hmm. This guy wanted to act like he wanted to be in, but yeah, deserved yeah. to be out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He deserved he to be out. He didn't. He he wasn't worthy to be a Latin king, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, funny story is, about a year or two down the line, he popped up in Racine, and was trying to talk to them, the kings over there, and 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 say he was a king. You know, that's the thing. We're a network, man. They called us immediately. Hey, you know this guy? Yeah, we know. Is he a king? Nope. <laughs> He's exed. And uh, I'm pretty sure he got another beating then from those guys. So the reach is long. So that was Rick, man. That was that was slick, Rick. Um, you know, he got a pretty bad beat down. And the 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 last guy, it's not it's not as 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 a uh, drawn out as a story, but there's another reason behind, another motive behind it, right? And this is a guy named Sammy. Sammy. <laughs> Sammy was just known as uh, it was it was him. It's funny. There's another guy named Herman too, who who ended up being allowed to walk away. But it was more because we just never we never caught him. We never had a chance to catch him. But he was like Sammy's best friend, and they were always together. We used to call him the softies. Look at the softies, right? <laughs> and the reason why Sammy wasn't exed way earlier was because he was a convenience to us meaning that he had a house that we can go hang out at. So we used that to our advantage. That was actually the house we were at when Black Hat died. So he was a name in that in that same meeting that got brought up. And, and the funny part is that everybody agreed with Sammy being exed. Everybody agreed with that fact. But there was one guy who was like gung-ho on him, and that was Lawrence. And Lawrence hated Sammy. Mm-hmm. You know, he was like, man, he deserves to be exed today. You know, he's a he's a girl. He don't do nothing. You know, he's scary. Hides in his house. He ain't never put in no work. And nobody could argue with that. Nobody could argue with that. The only thing, like I said, that guys were kind of lobbying for a little bit was like, yo, well, well, it's the spot. You know, it's kind of a spot that we can go hang out with. But at the end of the day, is that really a reason to keep somebody around? Because like we say, something pops off. Sammy happens to be there. Now you got a whole different bag of worms. Right. So we all agreed it had to be done. Now, the thing about Sammy, this was the difference. Now, this is this is why I said there's so many different dyna- dynamics and it's complex is Sammy wanted to act like he wanted to be around. Right. So you got Pelone, who doesn't want to be around, <laughs> wants to X himself. You got Rick, who doesn't want to be around, but wants to act like he's a king. 
And then you got Sammy that wants to act, well, wants to be around, but doesn't want to act like a king. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like it's, it's mm-hmm. a bunch of different, it's a bunch of different dynamics. And so that's what it was. Like he wanted to be around, but he didn't want to act like a king, meaning that he didn't want to put in no work. He didn't want to be the, he didn't want to be in the street. And so uh, I actually have a funny story that I can, I can share some other time about him. Super scary. Just a, just a scary uh, uh, individual when it came to being in the street. And, um, but anyways, he ends up coming over to a party we had on 14th, which is, you know, where, where I was living at with my, um, my kid's mom at the time. And we used to have a lot of parties over there and he ends up coming over there. We invite him over there. The purpose of inviting him over there was to X him. That was a purpose. Mm-hmm. And so we brought him over there and he came in. Now here's the funny part. Lauren didn't know he was coming. <laughs> like we knew he was coming, but Lawrence didn't know he was coming. I remember Lawrence hates this dude. Lawrence is ready to get rid of this dude. Mm-hmm. So he walks in and Lawrence is like, what the hell are you doing here? He's like, who like, and Sammy's like, who are you talking to? You know, you got to remember Sammy was a King before Lawrence. And so he probably has that built in feature in his head that thinks that he's entitled to some type of respect, even though he's never earned it. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Lauren right away is like, like, like you, like, what, what the hell are you doing here? Like, ain't nobody invite you. And he's like, yeah, I was invited here. So I remember like laughing. I don't know if it was like me and snuff. I know Tim was there. Like there was a bunch of us there. And, uh, and, and Sammy was basically like, well, why don't I deserve to be here? And Lauren was like, well, it's simple. You're a bitch <laughs> like that, <laughs> you know, full stop, like no explanation or nothing. And we kind of just looked. And he was like, I ain't no bitch. You know, like that was his, that was his go-to thing. I'm not soft, right? Herman too. You just say, one time we're, we're, we're antagonizing. I'm going to get back to the story. But one time we were walking home drunk from somewhere, right? And Herman was with us and we're antagonizing Herman. Like you're soft, you're soft. And he's so, he's so like gullible and just, you know, what we're saying about him is true. He like punches out a car window. Look, I'm not soft. You know, it's like, he's like, like that doesn't prove that you're not soft, buddy. Like the car windows, he probably had to go get, go to the hospital, get stitches and everything. But anyways, so back to the story. Um, so that's what he's screaming. I'm not soft. I'm not soft. And he like takes off his shirt and that was it. And Lauren took off on him. Right. And so Lauren starts beating this dude up immediately. Like I'm talking about like punishing this dude. We all just kind of look at him. Like, do we jump in? Do we need to jump in? You know, we know that this is, this is essentially Sammy getting next. Mm-hmm. And so Lauren's on top of this dude. There's really no room for nobody to jump in. And, and he's like pummeling this dude. And we literally had to be like, you know, after a while, this guy, there's blood, you know, he's, he's getting beat up after a while. We're like, all right, let him up. Like whatever, you know, let him up. And then, and then we just kind of gave him the spill. Like, listen, man, you ain't a King no more. Don't claim you a King. You ain't nothing. Don't be shaking up the crown. If we hear about it, we know where you live. We're going to come see you. And, uh, and he walked out of that house and that was it. And he was done. And, and so that was, that's why I said, there's different variations of how things happen. You know, like that right there was just one man. He really just took an ass whooping from one man and he was exed, you know? And, uh, so yeah, a bunch of different dynamics, different kind of reasons why, you know, different kind of characters involved, but same concept you know, all in the middle of that scale I was talking about, you know, that, that, uh, that is Xing people out of the gang, you know? So, so basically, would you say that the majority of people that 
quote, get x from a gang. It's generally just a beat down. The aspect of death is probably not the most common way. Most people are, are going to just end up just getting beaten down and said, hey, you're not a king and allowed to walk away. Would you agree with that? Well, no, nah, that's, that's a hard thing to agree with, man, because, you know, I know that, you know, obviously in Chicago, it's a different, it's a different animal, you know? But let um, but let's talk I, I think, from the Milwaukee perspective. Yeah, I think I think with regards to Milwaukee, right? There was a lot more tight knit relationships. There was a lot more, you know, it was more personal experiences. When you're like the reason why it's different from Chicago is because Chicago, there's so many members, and they might even be in the same chapter and not even know each other like that, like not even be close to each other because there's so many members in each individual chapter that there's different cliques within each chapter. So it's like. You know, it, it's different. Like in Milwaukee, it's a little more personable. So I would say, I would say it's fair to say, yeah. Like when guys get X, they're not looking to shoot and kill them. Mm-hmm. I, I, me personally, that's what I believe. Um, you and know, they, but, they probably have to do something to be to get that death warrant. It's right. got to be a pretty significant thing they do. It's got to be more than just I don't want to be a Latin king anymore. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I, I'll give you, I know we're probably running a little late, but I'm going to give you a quick, a quick, um, up to date story. Right. And this ain't got nothing to do with the Milwaukee Latin Kings, but it's got something to do with a Latin King. And I can only give you an assumption as to what happened. Right. But I was locked up with a Latin King. Um, obviously he cooperated. He happened to be black. Now, the reason why I mentioned that, right. It's not, it's not relevant in the sense that, you know, that's why something happened to him or something didn't happen to him. I mentioned that because I feel like the misconception that those guys have, right? And I'm saying the black brothers, the black kings, I think they believe that if they leave the gang, if they leave the Latin kings, that just because they're black, they can go blend in with other black people and not have to worry about the Latin king aspect. But that's not true, man. That's not, that's not a, that's not a true way to think. Like if you were a Latin king, these are, guys that seen you every day and you cross them obviously there's gonna be a price to pay for that this guy i was with man I, you know we just called him c he got out he got out of prison his choice was to go back to chicago that was his choice he has his daughter there chicago's everything he knew and he felt like as long as he stayed out the way and kind of just did his own thing he wouldn't have to worry about nothing that didn't happen Last week, week and a half ago, he got shot to death in his car, sitting in his car in Chicago. You know, he's somebody I considered a friend. You know, I did time with him. You know, we we were we were we were cool, man. Like we hung out. You know, we joked together, laughed together. Obviously, we got we got um, we had things in common. You know, so you know, we talked about like different aspects of the nation and the brothers and where he was at and where I was at and and and, and I'm not here to say oh the Latin Kings killed him. I'm not I'm not gonna say that. I'll state the obvious. He was on the indictment with the old man, and the old man is is like I said, man, he was a part of Las Coronas. Like he was he was on the old man Tino, you know, he was on uh on that indictment and that's that's like as close to Gino as you can get. So I will say that, but I'm not going to say that the Latin Kings killed him. I'll just say that, you know, he went back to Chicago and, and, uh, and I guarantee there's a lot of people that wanted him dead and, and he ended up dying. 
the ultimate price was paid, man. So that's why I said, man, like there's no way to generalize something like this. It could be one person that feels a certain way about somebody, you know, and let's just use, let's just use the example I just used with Sammy, right? You know, who's to say that Lauren didn't want to kill him? Yeah. Like I said, Lawrence hated him. And, you know, and if and, you had not, if, well, whoever was the one to say, okay, let him up, he might yeah. have just done that, exactly that, and killed him right there just at that moment if nobody had put a, okay, we're good here now, you know, type right. deal. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it, it's so, sometimes it's so deeply rooted for whatever reason, you just get that, that, that feeling about somebody and, and that happens. So yeah, I thought I'd end on that, man. But, uh, you know, the good news here is that we're bringing a message that everybody can really, really relate to. Everybody can think about this, whether you're a gang member or not, you can think about being friends with somebody your bestie, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Whoever you're with, imagine having to separate yourself from them. And then imagine having to separate yourself from them through violence. Right. You know? And that's not to say that Pelone was my bestie and, and you know, but but he was my friend. And like I said, to some extent he was my family. You know? Anytime somebody and their family does for you what nobody else is willing to do, that should mean something. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to understand the gravity of that at that time because maybe I would have said, you know what, this ain't the time or place to do this. Let's do this someplace else. Maybe I would have had a, I would have had a better idea of how to handle that situation. Um, but once again, man, fifteen years old, die yeah. hard, love being a Latin king. I felt like that was the right thing to do at and, that time. And you would probably have to say that in the mindset you were at at that point in time, that was the right thing to do. Right. I mean, yeah, because to, in your mind, that was, it, it was time to get this person next. And that was more important than anything else. So whether it's right or wrong, the belief it was, but that was where your mind was at that point in time. Yeah. Yep. For so. sure. So yeah, that's, that's my half, man. That's what I got. All right. Well, I got a couple questions because I, I, I'm, I'm just really curious. So it sounds like in most situations, like you said, Palone was a little bit different because it was just kind of, it just kind of happened. But it sounds like in the other scenarios you gave, there was a meeting and everybody kind of sat down and said, okay, who do we feel like is not keeping up their part of the thing? And, and then there was names thrown out and that kind of came up with the X list. So I'm just curious, like, because I, I just try to envision this and I'm going to say that I'm just a soldier in the Latin Kings and I'm sitting in on one of these meetings. Do Does the names basically come from the upper people in the chapter? So like the Inca and the Kasinka and maybe even the Enforcer are kind of throwing out names because I just feel like if you were to throw out a name and say, I uh, as a soldier, I think so-and-so should be axed, but the Inca and Kinsinka don't agree with that at all. I mean, could that lead to a problem for that soldier that said, I think this person should be axed? Or was it pretty open where, you know, no, we're willing to hear your grievances and take yeah. that into consideration. So that's, a, that's actually, that's a good question. And to 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 really be specific, right? 
like in in our in my situation in our situation it's an open forum and the reason there's a reason why you can have an open forum and you can have the transparency whether you're telling your inca kasinka enforcer as a soldier whether you're telling them you want somebody x or not the reason why you can have an open forum is because to talk on that open forum and that platform you have to be somebody <laughs> meaning that if you were standing in that circle at that time, your name wasn't on, wasn't likely going to be on that list. Right. The people that were on that list probably weren't there, you know, probably didn't show up, probably missed the last meeting. And not, 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 not just that, right. You can look around the room and see the guys that you see every single day that go through the same things, you know, the monotonous things of a gang life. These are your guys. You see them every single day. So those other guys, you're not seeing them every day. So that's why they're even mentioned. That's why they're brought up, you know, and you just go around the room. We don't have to say the same name. We could say a different name, right? Like I might've said, going around that room, I might've said, um, I might've said Slick Rick, you know, Lawrence might've said Sammy. Toot might've said Bellone. You know, Tim might have said, go and bear, get rid of both of them. Right. So, you know, like it, it, it was it was just us being, you know, authentic. It was us, our group, the, the heart and soul of 19th Street discussing what we thought was best for our chapter going forward. And so, yeah, man, when you get to them situations, nine times out of 10, if your name's being brought up, there's a reason behind it. Nobody's scared to do it. You know, yeah, and probably yeah. everybody else is thinking it. Yeah, I mean, you probably feel some level of comfort because you know that you probably already know the names that are pretty much on the chopping block. But this is just a formality of saying the names to put them right. all out there, right? Because, like, you guys are probably always talking. You're out partying or whatever, and you're talking about, yeah, this guy's completely fucking useless or whatever, you know, like, whatever. Exactly. That's so the, exactly. That's exactly the exactly what happens. You know, there's no you're not blindsided by some name, right? Like yeah. You're not you, you're not going to get somebody to be like, oh, I want you know to be X or something. Like nobody's that dumb, right? It's it's it's, <laughs> it's always going to be a situation where these conversations have happened before, probably between two people, maybe between three people, and it's just brought to the surface. You know, mm-hmm. the one time that I can say it wasn't um, necessary, it was kind of a blindsided. It was actually just in a recent episode where I was talking about, you know, Snuff and and Lil Mike and my brother um, in a conversation about all the newer guys being X'd. You know, that my brother was blindsided by. He didn't know that that was going to be brought up. But to his credit, you know, he, he stood... He stood his ground for the for the brothers that he thought should still be around, and I bet you he re, he probably regrets it now because there's a lot of dudes that should have should have been exed. But hindsight's twenty twenty, man. Yeah. So, and then the other big thing that I you talked about was so like, I, and I think it was with the context of Rick when around this time when when he was looking at getting exed, it was kind of like he was missing dues. He wasn't he was never around. He wasn't paying dues all these different things. And this question comes to, from the dues. So like, if there is a member that isn't paying dues like that, I'm assuming Chicago gets very upset if they're not getting their money. So 
is it kind of one of these things where your chapter has to cover him if he's yeah. not being his dues like like somebody else just we all y'all just kind of look at each other like he is a member yeah. he hasn't paid but we need to cover this so that chicago doesn't come down on us for it right yeah so yes yes and no yes in a sense that if we were because remember i told you there's there's times where you're not necessarily linked up with chicago mm-hmm. you know and there's times where you are you know and there's there's gaps in between right and so yeah sure if we owe chicago and obviously one of the members can't pay we have to come up with it and we pay and then his payment to us is in the form of a viol- uh, in the form of a violation so okay. he's got to pay with his body so now in the case where we're not connected with chicago right it's still important because we use that money to buy ammunition to buy guns to you know like i said before if somebody's incarcerated and we can help them out or whatever it is we still need you to pay your dues um and if you can't then you have to pay in the form of a violation i mean that's just the way it goes you know and if you can't pay for six months but you take six violations like whatever or six weeks whatever i mean you know so that's just the way it goes man it's it's uh it's cut and dry like that and and the reason why i say that is because like yeah like people Right now, I'll probably look at it like, man, a violation. Like, you got to get beat up by three guys, and that probably doesn't feel good. And it doesn't. But, you know, when you're there and you're in the lifestyle, like, a violation just kind of becomes like, it's it's like second nature, man. Like, I've took so many of them, you know. You understand what hurts and what doesn't and where to block, you know. Like, you, you mm. want to block your organs and stuff like that. So, you start, <laughs> you start knowing, you know who punches hard and who doesn't. You know, like, the guys that punch hard, I move towards them. You know, so they can't cock their arm back as far as they want to, you know, like you learn little tricks and tips because you take so many violations. You know what I mean? Like I, I've done it so many times. I, I figured out the the science, behind <laughs> the, the science behind a violation. <laughs> I you, we had to switch. We had to we had to change the rules for for Lawrence because he would do like legit like football spins and 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 jukes, you know, and guys are like. Guys are punching each other's hands, trying to get them. Yeah, we have to change the rules. You, know you got to stand still, all right? Stand still and take your ass whooping like a man. Well, I think I think that this one opens up the eyes because um, I don't know if you remember, but I think it was during the Mafia episodes that we did this. This was one of the biggest misconceptions of for for me of a gang because I was always under the impression that once you're in. You're not out till you're dead, <laughs> you know, right. and blood and, in, blood out. You yeah. Seen too many movies. Yeah, exactly. So, so that, that kind of clear clarifies that. So people can see that at least, you know, if somebody does make the mistake of doing this and wants to go back on it, they have that opportunity where they might not have to die, but yeah. I mean, it's a gamble. I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah, recommend, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't I, recommend I, trying yeah, this out. Right. Don't assume that you're just going to not die because there is a chance that you will. But but, you know, exactly. at least there's there's a history of where that may not have happened. <laughs> so on a good right. side. So but yeah, so I, I don't have any other questions. Um, is there anything else you want to throw into this one? Um, No, I think this one is signed, sealed and delivered, man. Yeah, this is a good one. I will say that next week. I'm going to cover, so this, it's going to be like a little controversial, but it's nothing like a little controversy to throw into a story. 
because it's a touchy one, but it's kind of a funny story. I still laugh about it. Maybe you'll laugh about it, but it is a little bit of controversial. So, I mean, people just got to bear with us when we tell a story. Interesting. That's all you're going to give them? It's just a little that's controversy. All, all right. That's all well, that's a cliffhanger if there ever was one. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. And another thing, man, another thing, right? Like, once again, always, I love the support from everybody. I appreciate the support. Everybody liking, subscribing, doing all the things that you're supposed to do on these platforms. Leave a review. I really appreciate a review. Um, there's going to be a lot of things upcoming in the future here, in the in the in the near future, and um, I just don't want you guys to miss none of it, man. So, you know, like I said, stay posted. Be ready for the episodes, and for all the people that are listening that aren't subscribed and following the show, Ninja listeners is what I you know they got the mask on. They're listening yeah. <laughs> in dark in the dark. Right. Even if you hate me, man, just follow the show. Right. And you'll always get your shows ready for you and, and notified and, and you'll be able to hear all the all the good stuff that we got to share. And we we can mention we are exploring the opportunity of expanding into video. That's really not there yet, but hopefully that'll be coming in the near future. We're going Berto's gonna put together some special content that's gonna be where you'll actually be able to see his face, correct? Right. By the time they hear this, they might have seen one. Yes, we might have it out. That is true because we are a little bit ahead of the game right now on episode. So yeah, hopefully we'll have something together by then. But if not, we will we will drop information into it as soon as it is live so you can get, get over to the YouTube channel, get subscribed to it. And I think we're also looking at on social media, you'll see a lot of these videos as well, correct? Yes. So just kind of keep your your eyes peeled for updates on that. We'll hopefully have them by the next episode. We'll see. But uh, yeah. And as always, if you do enjoy this podcast, leave us a review on your favorite podcast player and reach out to us, comments, questions, anything, normalizedcrime at gmail.com. And we will be back next week with the new episode. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Normalized Crime. Stay tuned for the next episode.